It has been called the most exciting film of the year and the biggest film in a decade. The people who created it have won 15 Academy Awards. It has been in production for three years. It is the story of an ocean liner that capsizes, and it may be the greatest escape adventure of our time. Now, 20th Century Fox presents Irwin Allen's production of The Poseidon Adventure. Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Red Buttons, Carol Lindley, Roddy McDowell, Stella Stevens, and Shelley Winters in The Poseidon Adventure, the greatest escape adventure of our time. Who will survive? The Poseidon Adventure, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. 2020 is behind us. First oh episode my, of 2021. Oh my goodness gracious. Can you believe that? It's freshly 2021. This drops at midnight. How about yeah. that? Well, listeners, everybody out there, we've got a doozy of an episode for you, and we've got a wonderful guest. Can't wait. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Scott, would you like to talk about the movie well, we just first, watched? My name is Scott. And my name's Pete. And these are the movies, the movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Yay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We are talking about the Poseidon Adventure yes, from 1972 are. with Jackie Beat. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, wonderful. We're so excited to have you on the show. I feel like we've been... Uh, kind of grooming you to come on for such a long time. Well, I don't know. I'm usually pretty good about <laughs> doing these things, so I don't know how it slipped through the cracks. But <laughs> I've talked about it. It's possible the answer is right there in that sentence, crack. I don't know. <laughs> I think one of our interns is going to be uh, fired for not getting you on sooner. We have a mutual friend named Muffy, and Muffy's been wanting to get you on the show for a while. And it all worked out because you wanted to do the Poseidon Adventure. And this is our New Year's episode, and this is a fucking New Year's movie. Yes. It is. It is. And, you know, it could. it is the ultimate New Year's movie. And because there's a giant Christmas tree, it could also be a Christmas movie. This is true. Let's not have yeah. the diehard argument. <laughs> this is true. There's that giant, like, wrought iron tinsel Christmas 70s tree. 70s Christmas tree. I, yeah. I think Ernest Borgna, I mean, I didn't hear it, but according to IMDb trivia, while they're trying to lift up the Christmas tree, Ernest Borgnine says, fuck, this thing's heavy. Oh, <laughs> and they left it in the movie. Well, here's the thing. Have you ever seen the clip of Ernest Borgnine on that morning show where I don't remember it's on YouTube and I don't remember who he was talking to, but it was, you know, some woman. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you look amazing and you have so much energy. What's your secret? And they're both mic'd, but he bends over and whispers in her ear. I masturbate a lot. <laughs> I um, morning tv and everyone heard it i love that i feel like i've heard that uh sure. i've heard that anecdote but that is an amazing story and you can kind of tell because he has got like massive guns those guns yeah his yeah. arms in this movie are out of control 
Yeah, you know, it's so funny that one of his most famous roles is Marty, and he's supposed to be this unattractive loser. Yeah. I think he's very sexually attractive. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there, There's something about how people aged in the 70s, because Ernest Borgnine, I feel like, was in his... Early 50s, probably? As was Shelley Winters. Yeah. As was Red Buttons. And I feel like they were all kind of portrayed as a little bit more mature than someone of that age today. I think what you're really tapping into is something Muffy and I discuss all the time. Like, when you go back and do the research and figure out... Like, you think, oh, Carol O'Connor in, like, uh, All in the Family was really fat and really old. And mm-hmm. then you watch it and you figure out like he was in his 40s. No. Sure, yeah. And <laughs> you're like, he's not even that big. But as a kid, he yeah. was like Hollywood fat. <laughs> and, you know, when you're a kid, you think everyone is old. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And besides, like, listen, Shelley and I'm sure Ernest Borgnine, I'm sure everyone just, everyone drank like a fish back <laughs> then and... You know, ate steak and, you know, and all the men were barrel chested Mm -hmm. and it was just a certain look and nobody, you know, plucked or shaved a hair on their body. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. Including (laughs) Shelly. I feel like Shelly is, she's so good in this. Oh, she's so good. (laughs) Iconic. I, I love her character and it's so sad what happens to her at the end. Well, no spoiler alert. There may be young people who haven't seen it. I know. They're, they're following along. I, my favorite thing is like you're going out on a ledge here. Like, you know, like now I'm going to I think that Shelley Winters is really good. It's like, <laughs> bitch, she won the fucking Oscar. No, I just mean in this particular role, which like you could say this movie, these movies were kind of. I don't know, populist or schlocky or something. They're they're not exactly prestige movies, these Irwin Allen disaster pieces, right? But they once were, though. Or were they? Also, this was the first of its kind. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that. I mean, this was the one that started it all. Well, I think that Airport had just come out in 1970, and Airport was a huge success and got a Best Picture nomination, a lot of technical awards, and it probably got the production of this greenlit. Oh, I didn't realize that Airport was before. 1970. But they're both based on novels, Mm -hmm. so I I don't know when the novel was written by whatever that guy, Paul Goody. It starts with a G. (laughs) That one. It's something French, I think. So anyway, I'm not sure, you know, he may have been like, oh, Airport is huge. I'm going to write, you know. One about a ship, right? <laughs> and these Ir- these older Irwin Ir- Allen movies just sort of harken back to how movies used to be made in Hollywood. Very like Cecil B. DeMille. These were big goddamn productions, and I feel yes. like the late sixties sort of did away with that after movies like My Fair Lady. And then you started to see kind of smaller movies with movie stars, but they were generally done like on a soundstage, limited sets, usually plays, and. Erwin Allen just busted out the big guns for this movie and just wanted it to be a huge deal. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about this a lot when it comes to horror. You know, and speaking of horror, I have to say this up front. Mm -hmm. Everyone who knows me knows that I have a room in my house dedicated to the movie Carrie. (laughs) We've seen it. 
Carrie is my all-time favorite movie because it changed my life. I saw it in the theater when it came out. And, you know, the moral of the story is don't mess with the freak. (laughs) But when you told me, you know, movies that made us gay, I had to go earlier. Carrie is 1976. Mm -hmm. And it really was the Poseidon Adventure. And I'm not sure what I was saying two seconds ago, my... Uh, I can't even remember what oh, we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, okay. I have a real problem with CGI. Sure. I I think that people on a cellular physiological level can tell when something is not real. So all the physical effects in you know The Exorcist and you know horror movies and 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 I mean for all intents and purposes. The Poseidon Adventure is a horror movie, Mm -hmm. you know? It's just so... And I just love the physical effects, and I don't understand why every third chair is bolted to the floor. (laughs) We are commenting on that, too. Some of the chairs are flying around, and, like, there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, yeah. No, you you can definitely tell when you're watching this movie, like, especially... With that Christmas tree, you know, they're lifting it up, they're really doing it, they're climbing it... These catwalks, we're we're watching it, just going. Oh my god, that looks so dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And when there's like the flooding, like when all of a sudden, like this mm-hmm. corridor becomes, you know, just the whole underwater sequence, it's pretty scary. But you know, okay, so it came out. I always get confused in seventy three or seventy two. Seventy two. Okay. I think The Exorcist is seventy three. That's yes. why I didn't. Mm-hmm. So it came out in seventy two. Which meant I was nine. Okay. Do the math. I'm older than dirt. <laughs> right. So I remember going to the theater with friends of mine. And this was back when you could sit in the movie theater and watch a movie three or four times. They didn't kick you out. Sure. And I don't remember when it came out. Like, was it a summer movie? It was it a December movie. I think that it must have been a summer movie or maybe we just went on the weekend but we sat there and watched that movie three or four times. I was obsessed, and I started doing, you know, Pamela Sue Martin's dialogue and <laughs> Stella Stevens' dialogue, and this is the movie that made me gay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. The very moment that I knew I was gay was when Pamela Sue Martin ripped off her maxi red velvet oh my God. skirt. And had matching red velvet hot pants underneath. <laughs> she came with the tearaway. Literally clutched my phantom pearls. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. That he's just Gene Hackman. Just says that skirt's going to have to come off, and without skipping a beat, right. rips it off. <laughs> and then, of course, he asks, uh, you know, the hooker with the heart of gold uh. and the mouth of a trucker. Um, <laughs> Stella Stevens, like, are you wearing anything under that? Just my panties. What else do I need? How did those girls not come out when the boat flipped over? She must have had those secured down with tape. Okay, have you seen the publicity photos they took on the Queen Mary? No. No, we'll have to look at it. You guys, Google it. It's the entire cast. I mean... Stella Stevens jugs. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And I'm a gay man, so when I... (laughs) Honey, when they catch my attention, something's going on. This character that she plays in the movie... Oh, this backstory is bananas. A 
former oh. prostitute married to a police officer. The police officer who arrested her. Mm-hmm. Is it their several honeymoon? times? Several That's times how he was flirting with her. Yeah, he kept arresting her just so she would go out with him. I mean, no, I'm not trying to slut shame anybody, <laughs> but like you know, I don't care how many loads you've taken, honey. <laughs> you and know, you're a real doll. And again, is this is this Hollywood trying to push on us that Ernest Borgnine can only? manage to like swing somebody that he's paying right is he, is he that like much of an ogre that he's got to like well he might have had like good medical and dental and there you, you know a really good retirement plan because he was you know a cop back in the in the days when they really knew how to take care of people but True. i don't think he was paying for her <laughs> no not at this point you were probably a little bit younger than um, the kid from Little House on the Prairie. What's you mean it? Eric Shea? Yeah, he was. I didn't know. I didn't know he was on Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, he did a few episodes. He did a few of episodes of Little House. I am not a fan of Little House on the Prairie. Oh, good. Neither am I. <laughs> no, I don't like. It's like what people have dirt floors. Get the fuck out of here. I was, <laughs> I need to escape. I want glamour. I don't want fucking little house. Who wants a little house on the prairie when, you know, in just a few years, there's going to be a giant house on Dynasty? This is true. I know, right? This is true. And I mean, they're just wearing those like Holly Hobby, like. Oh, my God. Give me a fucking (laughs) break. Uh, That was kind of, I mean, I don't know what it was in fashion, why that like. Was it because of Little House? Were they influencing each other? But I just remember the whole Holly Hobby thing and my sister being into it. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, just not not being that interested. But yeah, Eric Shea, I feel like as a teenager, got a little, got kind of cute. There's some, there's some pictures of him on IMDb where I was like, okay. And all of the disaster movies had a similar character like this. That your little boy that would just comment on everything going around him. Mm-hmm. The Towering Inferno, Bobby Brady played this. Yep. Um, and I think that there's also a similar character in Airport. So they all had this archetype of a child on board. Well, I feel like hiring, uh, you know, Mike Lookinland, I mm-hmm. think is his name, mm-hmm. uh, who played Bobby Brady. That is like how in The Exorcist 2, they hired, you know, uh, Louise Fletcher because she kind of looks like Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah. dark hair, freckles, like, yeah, it's very Camaro Trans Am. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think they probably threw in the kid because they wanted to appeal to the whole family, right? So they're like, okay, we've got to get the little boys to watch this for some reason. And also, it's like, do you really care if an old person dies? <laughs> <laughs> the stakes are a little higher when there's, when there's the young people with them. Yeah. Yeah. I I really was invested in Pamela Sue Martin. I thought she was lovely. I think <laughs> that she, because I was just discussing this with my friend Sherry Vine. She's, I feel terrible saying this. She's just <laughs> horrible. No, I mean, she can't act her way out of a wet paper bag. Oh, dear. She can't act her way out of wet, red velvet hot pants. Like, <laughs> Even when she was on um, 
Oh, Falcon Crest. Okay. Dyna- whatever okay. she was I think on. She was on Dynasty. Yeah. She just is like, honey, you're on a hit show. Wake the fuck up. Give us a little <laughs> something. Like these bitches over here are chewing the scenery. I get it. She was she was like in a almost like in a different movie. Like, don't even get me started on um who's the other the singer? Nani. Nani. The not Karen like, Carpenter. Like, are you special needs? <laughs> Oh, give no her a break. Offense. Give her a break. Her brother just died. Oh, I know. But that relationship seemed a little incestuous. Yeah. Yeah. The bro- I mean, mm-hmm. if my brother, you know, looked like a sexy Jesus and played the drums, I might be into him too. But I mean, she was like, it's, yeah. like, it's been 20 minutes. Get over it. <laughs> I was getting Christopher Guest in Spinal Tap. From oh, the, yeah. From the brother. From the brother. I was like, is that- oh, my God. <laughs> Totally. It was the exact same look. It was so funny. Um, so we should set up some of the characters in this movie. We haven't even talked about Gene Hackman. No. Who? And, and again, this is the tricks that the 70s and ages will do. Gene Hackman, 42 years old when he shot this movie. Younger than Unbelievable. you. Looks, Unbelievable. Looks mm-hmm. 58. <laughs> um, I think he's... A serviceable male lead in this. Oh yeah, movie. I think he's doing a good job. He's very angry for a preacher. Yeah, but it, it's just he's a, extremely angry. It's a part of the character. I like most of his performance. I mean, it's very. Listen, it's kind of comic booky. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah. what part you're playing. There's a few moments where he really annoys me. Mm-hmm. Like there's the part where he's. Uh, we're. We're just going full spoiler alert. Sure, yeah, definitely. Just jump right in. If you haven't seen the movie, fuck you. Yeah, it's a a 45-year-old movie. (laughs) It's been out since 1972, asshole. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's a part where the Christmas tree, everyone finally decides, oh, he's right. Mm -hmm. The room is flooding. Let's go up the Christmas tree. And then it falls, and he's closing the door. And I'm like, I don't know what the director told him, but he does this. (laughs) squinty eyed like this is the hardest thing I've ever done but (laughs) these people deserve to fucking die it's the weirdest like I mean it's a it's a lot yeah so his and sorry oh go ahead he obviously wants to screw Pamela Sue Martin yeah who is a teenager? Is she a child in this movie? Uh, yeah, I, can't I don't know. Even tell. Is she under eighteen? Because she seems to have a thing for red buttons. <laughs> no, that's what? Nani. Oh, red never mind. Buttons. Other one. <laughs> He's thinking about Nani. I'm thinking of the not, yeah. not Karen Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, I think she's. I mean, how old can you be if you have you know a brother that's Eric Shea's age? Right. That's what I'm thinking. I feel like I think she was supposed to be about seventeen. Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, their their relationship is a little suspect because later on, you know, when he goes on his quest to find, you know, the propeller room or whatever, and she just loses her mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you're way too young to be this invested in this in this man (laughs) who's probably your father's age. Well, you know, who knows what's going on? A lot of people have father issues. True. A 42 year old, you know. Uh, Gene Hackman was, you know, wasn't that bad. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, When we get introduced to him, they set up that 
you know, he's an unorthodox preacher or reverend or yeah. whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know God. Um, but he's kind of like straying from his church and his congregation and his main priest is kind of giving him a little dressing down. And so this is just kind of our insight into who he is as a character. And we get these little intros to all of our heroes. And Yes. And first of all, let me just say that anyone who was as intuitive and smart and I mean, he would not be a priest yeah. or a mm-hmm. minister or whatever the hell he was. I mean, he just wouldn't be. He'd be like, this is bullshit. Yeah, it but took him way too long to, to figure it out. It, was just, it wasn't just like, what's the phrase? A, uh, what is it? The something of faith? Uh, 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 oh, sure. Um, it's, he's having a very crisis of faith yeah. yes, moment. Crisis and of it faith. seemed like mm-hmm. movies like this always have that archetype yeah, in them too in exorcist you buy it mm-hmm. this is just very one-dimensional do yes. you know what i mean like yes. angry god helps those who help themselves uh, you know like i believe as much in science as i do <laughs> it's like if you believe that much in science you wouldn't believe the bible that's for <laughs> damn sure very true very true um we next and thing- oh go ahead i know we're skipping way ahead but you just mentioned that you meet everybody. Mm-hmm. That's the key to this movie. Oh, yeah. That's why you care whether they live or die. When they did the horrible remake, that fucking ship turns over five minutes into the movie. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know who that was. Who are these people? Like, who just died? Yes. Uh, well, we get introduced to the Rosens, the lovely Mr. and Mrs. Rosen. On their way to uh, Israel. Israel. To meet their grandson for the very first time. Yes, it looks like one of their children has gone off to Israel to, to start their family. And uh, Manny, played by Grandpa Joe from Grandpa Joe Willy from Wonka. Willy Wonka. From Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Belle, played by the lovely Shelley Winters. And these two, I feel like, are the real heart and soul of this Yes. <laughs> oh, totally. You know, um, they kind of are carrying the emotional weight. But... They see jogging by Red Buttons, who his character trait is that he's quirky because he cares about his health. He has all those vitamins. What a weirdo. Yeah, well, who, what kind of bachelor is very right. concerned with his health and his looks and mm-hmm. being fit? Yes. Oh. Even know. as a nine-year-old, <laughs> I was like, this is a queen. <laughs> but he was so invested in Nani and helping Nani. Or were they supp- Was that supposed to be a weird love connection? Honey, I, I mean, you I, know, it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Everybody was hooking up and they were, I'm sure that they just had to have people care about each yeah. other. Yeah. Otherwise, she was so annoying you know, when she can't get up the, the ladder thing. Yeah. If one person didn't care, I mean, you saw <laughs> uh, what Ernest Borgnine was like, leave the bed. <laughs> She's too slow. Yeah. Not she. I mean, just in fits the entire time. Well, next we meet Mr. Uh, how do, how do, how do they pronounce his last name? Rogo. Ro- Rogo. Rogo. Mike. And uh, and his lovely wife Linda, played by Stella yep. Stevens. I love their character introduction in their cabin. 
Yeah, we talked a little bit about these two and their their crazy backstory. We have a clip that we're going to listen to right now. And just how Ernest Borgnine shouts his dialogue. There is nothing subtle about this performance, and I am so here for it. And she even says the character, you don't need to shout. <laughs> I love it. Let's uh, Let's take a listen right now. Why don't you admit the real reason? You're still afraid some bum will recognize you. That's pretty stupid. You're out of that business now. You're my wife. You can't keep going around all the time being afraid that that every guy you bump into is a former customer. Linda, you hear me? Will you shut up? I'm busy in here. You weren't on the streets that long. How the hell many guys did you know? you realize how slim the chances are that even one of these characters is on this boat? You don't have to shout. I said it. <laughs> There's that line. <laughs> this is the point whenever I revisit this movie that I get to the scene and I'm just like, damn, this movie's a fucking ride. They, they really did that. They really did this backstory and I love it. And then she goes... I saw a young officer on board, and he looked pretty damn familiar, <laughs> even with his clothes on. I love, I love that. Yeah, she doesn't want to go to the main formal dinner. Partly because she's Eve. seasick, and she also thinks someone's going to recognize her. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Has, has she been hiding the whole time? Right. Well, she's got this. She's got this suppository from the ship's doctor. <laughs> She can barely drink water. How is she supposed to swallow that? (laughs) You don't swallow it, Mr. Rogo. It's a suppository. You, For Christ's sake, I know what a suppository is. Get her out of here. This nightgown that she... The whole movie, you guys. I love that. (laughs) We don't even need clips. This nightgown that she's wearing, too, is pretty great. Yeah. Is it that sort of robin's egg blue? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her boobs are just, like, front and center. The girls are free. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't. I, I just. There was something in my head. Um, I can't remember. That's okay. Oh, I, I, no, I was going to say, like, the performances are very cartoonish mm-hmm. and very broad. And I just feel like the real star of the movie were the special effects. And I'm not saying that the people were bad, but it's very sitcom. This is like a couple on a sitcom, you know? Yeah. I mean, a couple of years later, we get the love boat, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, (laughs) and also wonder woman, the TV show just dropped to HBO max and Stella Stevens is in the pilot for wonder woman. Oh, really? So Later went on to do TV. Yeah. How about that? She's also in, is it, I think it's a horror movie called The Granny, oh. and it has one of the best lines ever. I think it's called The Granny with Stella Stevens. She's older. It was like, you know, 90s or something. Mm. In the 90s. It wasn't her in her 90s. <laughs> and she tells her son, you're a load I should have swallowed. Oh, my gosh. That's one of the best lines ever. <laughs> And I can imagine uh, one Stella Stevens delivering it. That's amazing. Um, who else do we meet? We get introduced to Nani doing her uh, rehearsal. I did read that they did dub uh, The Morning After. That is not her singing voice. No, it's not. 
And I think the official title of the song is not The Morning After. I think it's Song from the Poseidon Adventure is the official name of that song. Well, you know, and then they were like, oh, I think this is going to be a hit. Ended up winning Best Original Song. Oh, it did? It the did, Oscar? yep. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny when you listen to the lyrics. It's like they're kind of describing, you know, it's like if a love song, a love slash inspirational song can describe, you know, having to climb out of an upside down ship. (laughs) I mean, it's like we get it. It was setting the stage for Celine's ballad from Titanic. True, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, who else do we have? Uh, well, the ship is captained by Leslie Nielsen, and it's one of those things that I always forget that Leslie Nielsen at one time was like a matinee idol. Like, he wasn't really a comedian, but he did, like, Forbidden Planet, this movie. So I always forget that he was a legit Hollywood actor. Well, I think that's, at this time. Yeah. that's part of why he was cast in Airplane as mm-hmm. the straight man character, was because he played these really straight-laced characters in yeah. his career. So, And, I mean, if you think about it and watch his performances in the comedies, mm-hmm. the straighter you play it, the funnier yeah. it is. Yeah, especially in the very first airplane. He's pretty much just playing this, like... I love when he just, in the middle of what he's doing, just says, oh, and, oh, and Happy New Year. <laughs> like, doesn't even <laughs> miss a beat. Oh, Happy New Year. <laughs> I love that this kid just like breaks into the damn bridge of a cruise ship. When there's a storm outside. <laughs> 35 oh, yeah. foot waves. And he's just like, hey. Yeah. Um, we also, yeah, we meet Susan and Ro- his name is Robin, Eric Shea. Dude, I don't even think they even refer to him by name. She does. She does? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're on the ship without their parents. They're going to meet them, I guess. Is the ship supposed to be going to Greece, I think? New York to Greece. I, I, I'm not... I, I think so. That going sounds, to Athens. I know it's an all... I think it's... Yes, I think so. Yeah. Because everybody has we different forgot, plans. We forgot one thing as far as Nani and mm-hmm. the band. They're playing for free. Oh. Remember, they say that, like... It just makes absolutely no sense. I've performed on so many cruise ships, and it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they got on the ship in Gibraltar. They're performing, you know, for, for a free trip to, you know, it just makes absolutely no sense. Hey, maybe maybe that's how cruises worked in the, in the early 70s, probably. Maybe, not. I don't know. It's like, it's like um, you know, when we did watch Airport... And a lot of those old movies, I feel like they people got on these planes and they would give their stewardess their ticket and the stewardess would say, okay, go ahead, find a seat. And it was yeah. just like riding a train or, yeah. or something. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird things when it comes to travel like back in the day. Yeah, it was just very like fast and loose and just like, all right, you're here. Get on. <laughs> yeah, there used to be like all these plot lines where somebody could just hand somebody else a ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my wedding was just called off. Take my well, seat. You know, I've got two tickets to Hawaii for my, uh, you know, honeymoon. Oh, I'll go with you. I'm your friend. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so, okay, so Nani and the band are playing for free. They're a bunch of hippies. And they're very, like, this is a foremost a New Year's Eve party. Everybody's dressed to the nines. And they're just kind of there, and they're, like... Swinging around. Suede vests and, you know, hot pants. Yeah. Their outfits are a little Planet of the Apes adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But um, I feel like once we kind of get introduced to all of our heroes... Then the ship pretty much gets yeah. struck by this rogue mm-hmm. wave really quickly. Yeah. And um yeah, it just it just flips right the hell upside down. And that scene is kind of terrifying. Oh yeah, it's pretty frightening. <laughs> it's really well done. Yeah. Have you watched any behind the scenes or making of? We watched one right before we recorded. Yeah. It's I was obsessed I mean, I was literally obsessed as a you know what it is? It's the same way I'm obsessed with things like 9-11. <laughs> but, you know, one is real and the other is sure. just like, Boy, oh, my God. And every time you watch it, you see something new because there's so much happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that a movie like this to a child, it's an interesting way to be introduced to death on screen. Because yeah. there's something about how people die in this movie that's very raw and real. And it's something that you don't really see in a lot of blockbusters anymore. That you don't really see dead bodies lying around when they have those cutaways of just people lying around and they have to pick up people to like move the Christmas tree. It's pretty intense. Yeah. And some of the ways they die was a little pre you know, pre-80s horror movie mm-hmm. where, you know, like they were, you know, the, the guy through this, the um, skylight, yeah. obviously, is the, uh, you know, piece de resistance. And the, the I think the piano falls on somebody mm-hmm. and just like all these, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just figured out that um, my favorite thing in the world is people getting all dressed up. In 70s fashions, if you will, (laughs) to have the time of their life and then all hell breaks loose and your (laughs) smile turns into a look of horror, usually in slow motion. And that is what the Poseidon Adventure and Carrie have in common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like all hell breaks loose. It's like, I am so happy. What just happened? (laughs) Like, it's like a nightmare. Yeah. And it's simultaneously exciting and terrifying and beautiful and hideous and magical and violent. It's so to see it at a certain age, it's like very sexual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And both of those, these movies present something that is kind of uh, a little kid can see themselves. You can, you can think about when I go to my prom is it going to be like that? Well, not, you know, explosions and people catching on fire, but, you know, you can imagine what your prom will be like and you can think about, well, what if my family goes on a cruise? What you if know, I what, was on this cruise and would, I was in that, I was in that dining room, like, where would I go if the room was turning upside down? Well, it's so funny and I, I just have to be completely honest. As someone who loves both of those movies, I have never thought that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I have never thought... These are dreamscapes to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I've never thought like what it would be like to go to my prom, even as a little kid, or like if I went on a cruise ship. The only thing that comes close to what you just said is I have wondered, 
would I be a person who fights tooth and nail and climbs up that fucking Christmas tree? <laughs> or would I be one of those people that's like, help is coming, just sit on your ass? <laughs> but the real question I is... Think, I think I'd fight. But the yeah. real question is, could you make that Christmas tree climb wearing Stella Steven shoes? Honey, every time they have that shot... Yeah, we noticed it last night. Heel, you know, like the bar, Hooking. that rebar. <laughs> yeah. And then she's... Yeah, it's crazy. At least it's a chunky heel. It's not a stiletto. It's like maybe there's a little bit of stability there. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. I've been, I've been on cruises, and I don't necessarily worry about it capsizing or sinking, really. But Oh, it's um, constantly going through my mind whenever we take cruises. But, yeah, you're just out there on the ocean in this giant iron death trap. Okay. <laughs> and it really str- okay. First of all, when you think about how much it fucking weighs, yeah, and you're literally a floating city, and mm-hmm. you're in the middle of nowhere, and I will be fine, and then I will just be in bed, and out of nowhere, just think like, "Bitch, you're not in a hotel room. <laughs> this is moving. Like you're on the ocean, yeah. and do you know how close you are to?" First of all, the ocean at night terrifies me. Black. All just black. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing worse than that is like the opening credits of the original Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. I think there's something so scary about the ocean, like in black and white. Yeah. It's so menacing. But anyway, yeah, I've been on cruise ships and every once in a while, it's kind of like I'm in denial and then it'll hit me like a ton of bricks. I just think of that line from Titanic that Victor Garber says when when they're when they're saying that the Titanic could never sink and Victor Garber says she's made of iron. She's made of iron. <laughs> she can Believe sink. Me, she can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I also do like to size up all of the random people on cruises of like who would fit into these archetypes that if we had to escape like what random couples would we be matched up with? That's the kind of shit right. that's going through my mind too. Yeah. Well, the whole idea of going on a cruise and being sat at like a community table with a bunch of other couples, that's just, uh, that's, that does not interest me at all. You know, (laughs) making new friends. I kind of sell myself as a bitter, you know, not really a people person. Yeah. But I have done that. I've gone into the dining room and just thought, I'll sit with a bunch of people I don't know. And mm-hmm. these are gay cruises. Yeah. And it's very hit or miss. I mean, most of the time it's great because I can have a conversation and I'm an interesting person and I'm a nice person. <laughs> and I tell them why I'm on the ship that I'm performing and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and, and, but sometimes it's just like, geez, a Louise, mm-hmm. like a couple, you know, who, And I feel bad because I've done dozens of them and it's all free. I Mm -hmm. leave with a check. And these people saved for years to go on this cruise and they're from, you know, Des Moines. Yeah. And, you know, they start talking about their life and it's just like, oh, my God, I would end it all. (laughs) God bless them. Yeah, but you're right. It gets to that point where Gene Hackman as – the preacher, his last name is Scott. They just refer to him as Scott. Is kind of he's his philosophy, like you said, is God helps those who helps 
help themselves. So he thinks that we need to get the hell out of here. This ship is upside down. We're in the wrong spot. So he gathers up everybody, all of his his flock, if you will. And uh, and he also, I like that he respects and listens to and believes Eric Shea's character, like the right, little yeah. kid. Like, just because you're young doesn't mean you don't know anything. And it really flies in the face. He's very anti-establishment mm-hmm. for a priest, especially, or a reverend. It's Reverend Scott. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then you've got... Uh, Ernest Borgnine, who's the complete opposite and just everything by the rules. And that's even one of Linda's, you know, lines, his wife. So, uh, yeah, we got some, you know. Yes. Yeah, you have the people that are hooking up and feeling, you know, kinship and then the people who don't get along at all. Yes. And uh, it's interesting, the dynamic between Reverend Scott and Mr. Rogo, because he he's calling on him because he's kind of telling Ernest Borgnine, like, I need somebody else here. Like, I will be in charge of this, but I need you to support me. I'm going to need some help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Ernest Borgnine as Mr. Rogo is just constantly like, why do you keep calling? (laughs) Like, leave me out of this. But, you know, he kind of comes in to save the day in in almost every situation. And we get to see those those guns. Yeah, Ernest Borgnine looks like he's got that old man strength. He'll just like crush your crush every bone in your hand when he's like shaking yes. his hand. Now you know what we have? Who we haven't talked about? I was about to say Roddy McDowell. Acres. Oh yes, Mister Acres. Roddy McDowell. Our third appearance from Roddy McDowell on the podcast: Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Fright Night, and now the Poseidon Adventure. Yes, indeed. Oh my god, he's a he's a Who returning did Fright Night. <laughs> Except for some friends of ours. Uh podcast called homos on haunted hill that was yeah. one of our oh halloween God, movies i love fright night yeah and his character is a queen a que- yeah i was gonna say is he a coded <laughs> rowdy mcdowell playing <laughs> a coded character i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> yeah he's uh he's a server on the ship right Yes. He works on the ship, Mr. Akers. And he's trapped up there on that little teeny ledge above the door to the to the kitchen. Right, which Yeah, it's 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 just what it, what would you call that? It's like, like a little landing, yeah. 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 I mean, if you think about it, you have to figure out what it is when the ship is up. Right. That's what's what's interesting about this production design. And I did read that that set that they turned over, it was a practical set of when they shot it. That set, they turned, and then they literally flipped it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's the same set that they just repurposed, which is pretty cool. crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, but Mr. Akers, you know, we need somebody who has knowledge of the inner workings of the ship. So Mm -hmm. he's kind of there to to guide guide us through. Um, I read that Shelly Winters put on weight for this. She put on 35 pounds. She's the original... um, Janet Jackson. Remember how Janet <laughs> yeah. Jackson was always claiming that she gained weight for a role? It was for a role. And then the movie never, yeah, came never surfaced. Funny, a hot buttered role. <laughs> no, it was like, and then the movie always fell through. Mm-hmm. So did her chair. Hey-o. Anyway, yeah, supposedly Shelly gained weight for the role. Sure. And never was able and to never regain was her able figure. to get it back. 
Well, you know, yep. when you win an Oscar, you think if it ain't fixed, don't if it if it ain't broke, don't fix so it. So won two Oscars, and I'm always obsessed with the story that I've heard about Shelley Winters. That Shelley Winters was just one of those actresses that just wanted to work, especially when she got older. When Hollywood tended to disregard older actresses, Shelley just really wanted to make movies still. And I always have heard of a story that she was in a casting meeting with somebody younger and he's just like well why should i not let you audition for this and she's like why do i need to audition and she takes out her academy awards out of her purse and puts them on the table because i'm shelly fucking winters i've always heard that story and i know that it's probably not true because i know that she did donate one of her academy awards to the anne frank museum for when she won for the anne frank story but yeah shelly winters Icon. That's like the scene in the prom when uh, oh sure you know, yeah Street's character yep. yeah pulls out the Tonys trying to get the suite that they don't have at the crappy motel. Did you like the prom? Um, you know what? I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was unforgivably long. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> but I had heard people complaining and saying bad things and then i watched it and maybe it's because my i don't know i i totally enjoyed it yeah i thought it was okay but um i guess that the real sting of that story is that her line says some people think i can't act as she grabs her oscar and puts it on the casting director's table yeah maybe it's apocryphal i choose to believe it yeah same (laughs) So uh, we always remember Shelley Winters when I was a kid. She was Roseanne's grandmother. That's how I always. That was probably my first introduction to her as a kid. Nana Mary. Yeah. Well, I'm obviously older, so <laughs> yeah. I remember her from the Poseidon Adventure. So one of my favorite Shelley Winters performances in, is in Lolita. I think she's so good in Kubrick's Lolita. Oh my god! Amazing. Uh, and you're wearing Lolita sunglasses. In, um, what? And you're wearing Lolita sunglasses. What are the odds? Yes, you know, I have to just comment. I know we're talking about a 70s movie, and I am totally 80s down. <laughs> but I had a show right before this, and it was all songs from the 80s because 2020 sucked so bad that we. I wanted to go back to the 80s. Love it. I, yeah. love, I love your giant yeah. Rubik's Cube earring. <laughs> Right? Just the one. Just the one. <laughs> Asymmetry. But I love her in, um, what is the, uh, oh my God, I can't, uh, it's not, um, oh my God, what is the. <sighs> What's it about? She's on the boat with, um, it's not Suddenly Last Summer. It's uh, Elizabeth a of, Taylor. A patch of, a patch of blue. No, 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 no. It's Elizabeth Taylor mm-hmm. and Montgomery Clift. A Place in the Sun? A Place in the Sun. Yes. Oh, my God. She's amazing in that because she's so annoying. You're like, <laughs> I get it. Like, fucking killer. <laughs> Isn't that kind of her character in Lolita, too, though? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there seems to be a pattern. A through line. (laughs) So I was also reading that Stella Stevens and her had worked on a movie before and they didn't get along. So Stella Stevens was hesitant about taking the role. But apparently, I guess that uh, 
I guess the Chili Winters may have had a drinking problem in like the late 60s, and then she quit, and they got along fine on the Poseidon Adventure. I read that today. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. I also read uh, on IMDb that Red Buttons and Carol Lindley plays Nani also didn't get along on the set of Poseidon Adventure. They hated each other, and they shared all their scenes together. That's very weird. I mean, I'd imagine that this this production probably broke all of these actors down because it's so physical. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, you're soaking wet and it's mm-hmm. probably cold. You know, back in the I want to say late eighties, mm-hmm. uh, a pair of the red hot pants. <gasps> went up for auction and I wanted them so bad and I didn't have any money back then. <laughs> and, you know, and it must have been like one of ten pairs. Sure. But, oh my God, wow. wouldn't that be amazing? That would be... <laughs> would they be framed right now if you, if you had... Oh my them? God, totally! <laughs> I also feel like, isn't the legend of this movie that they all kind of performed almost all of their own stunts? A lot of, of it had to be in camera. Yeah. Because yeah. that is Shelley Winters and Gene Hackman underwater. I mean, this is why Shelley Winters won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Because not only is she playing, you know, a very sympathetic, motherly, maternal Jewish woman going to meet her grandson, Joey, for the very first <laughs> time. And she's always, you know, trying to help red buttons find love and <laughs> you know but then she gained weight for the role she put her vanity on the back burner and she did her own um stunts mm-hmm. and you know it's not very flattering when she's underwater and her the dress goes up and you can see her granny panties <laughs> and then when she dies it's like you know He's crying and like literally like spittle is going yeah. like down onto her face. Like it was like, I want that fucking Oscar. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is very, it's very poignant, especially when she has her little, the necklace with the pendant on oh, it. We, oh, we have to talk about that scene. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, everything that happens after they climb up that Christmas tree until they get to this. They're trying to make their way to the propeller room. Right, the propeller shaft. Yes, because the 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 hull is at its thinnest in that it's area. It's one inch shaft. less than two inches. Exactly. Do you know how thick one inch of steel is? It's one inch less than two inches. We're moving. We're going to the propeller room. Yeah, all because... So you guys are talking about the scene where she goes, I want you to give this to our grandson. Yes. I'm going somewhere you're not. Yeah, it's uh, the introduction of that scene of the look on her face when she grabs the necklace. We have it. Oh, we we do have an audio clip of that scene. So why don't we take a listen to that? The rest of you, pull yourself along the rope. Take a deep breath first. It can't be more than thirty seconds at the most. Now, Mr. Scott, how long can you hold your breath? I don't know. Right, do me a favor, please. Try it now, Mr. Robo. Time him. Go ahead. Mr. Scott, look at this. Look, I was the underwater swimming champ of New York. Three years running. I held my breath two minutes and forty-seven seconds. Let me do this, please. Well, you were seventeen then. Oh, for hours you've all been dragging and pulling me all this way. Now I have a chance to do something. I know. 
please, may I do this for everybody? Mrs. Rosa, I think I'm perfectly capable of holding my breath long enough to swim 35 feet. This is something that I can do. Yeah. And when you hear it, two minutes and 40-something seconds, yeah. you immediately, your lungs are like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, how is that even possible? Yeah, that's crazy. If you've ever been to a gay bar in Palm Spring called Quads, video bar, and they oh, uh, sometimes during their video nights, they have a montage of the morning after, and it ends with Shelly diving in the water, and... Every single time we see it there, the crowd goes apeshit and cheers. Yeah. Well, nobody loves a, you know, big girl like the gays. <laughs> it's so some of the lines that not only do the other characters say about Mrs. Rosen, but some of the lines she says about herself, it's just like, oh my God, she's not even like you said, she's not even that heavy. She's you know. It's not like yeah. she. It's not like she's Gilbert Grape's mom or anything. You know, she's that's to... really fat though for the seventies. True. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. For the seventies, that was like. I mean, you guys think about Rhoda on Mary Tyler Moore show was always talking about being on a diet and that she was overweight. Oh my god! Like compared to who? Mary. Mary. <laughs> like that's not a good judge of you know. Wow. I yeah. never picked up on that. Yeah. That, that, oh my goodness. That's insane. And then when, you know, Rhoda got her own show, she had to become the Mary. And then Brenda, her sister, had to become the Rhoda. <laughs> and, you know, Rhoda, the Rhodas are always just so much more funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of the 80s, are you familiar with Square Pegs? Yes. And, uh, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker was one of the characters. And her friend, the actress who played her friend on that show, was like, they called her like that fat girl. Yeah, she wasn't even chubby like at all. But my favorite character of Square Pegs because she has all the best lines of the episode. She does. Of course. She's she's the funniest. She's got the best clothes. It's always the second banana. Yeah, that's so interesting though. How Hollywood levels of like body type. Yeah, that's why it is revolutionary <laughs> to have actual. I think I post, I I just tweeted this recently because when I saw the prom, I was like the best thing to come out of all this, you know, new way of thinking and inclusivity. uh, The best thing to come out of it can be summed up with two words, fat dancers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because now there's a fat dancer. Like, of course, fat people can dance. Fat people love to dance. Fat people can be light on their feet. There's always going to be a fat person at the prom or wherever. There's a, there's a fat dancer in the Stupid Love Lady Gaga video, and I love her. She's my favorite yeah, one. there you go. <laughs> She's my favorite one. Um, so Shelly saves the day when Reverend Scott gets trapped under, you know, detritus. Yeah. You know, in a the, piece of metal. A piece of metal. Those, that, shots, of, those shots of Shelly swimming are incredible. Yeah. And it's her, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you can tell. Yeah. I mean, there's just no question. Yeah, it's amazing. And, um, you know, it's funny because there are some scenes where Gene Hackman will kind of run across something or he kind of walks up these this staircase, but it's the underside of a staircase. And he walks up fine, but he's got to get the 
the hose to like pull everybody up. Right. Like, and it's like, what? He ran up there, no problem. I mean, maybe Shelly Winters would need some help, but they made it seem like he was the only one that could do these like feats of manhood. Yeah. And everybody else needed to like watch him do it, and then then they could do it with some help. Maybe he had God on his side. This is true. This is, this is true. But um, but yeah, after after Shelly Winters makes it to the other side, has a heart attack. She has a heart attack and drops dead. She died a hero, though. Yep. True. And, I mean, it's really harsh that her husband doesn't want to leave. Oh, my God. And, oh, my God, I seriously get emotional thinking about this. (laughs) The best thing in the movie is how thrilled they are when they see, you know, they hear the people mm-hmm. and they see the, you know, the, uh, what the do you sparks. call it? Um, the blowtorch, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're cutting the through the metal. They're going to be saved. And they're so happy, but then they show each character who's lost somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me. <laughs> yeah. It really works. It's the only moment as far as I'm concerned that really like it's survive it's like survivor's guilt yeah. in a way and obviously it's not it's much more than that you loved that person and they would want you to live and you know but it's just like what now like this is what i wanted this is what we fought for and there's just that moment the look on their faces especially because the the characters in our hero group that do die they die in like the third act they're almost at the end so i always forget about stella steven's death until it happens like i always kind of forget that she doesn't make it yeah and when she does fall into that fiery water you're like damn this movie's like unforgiving (laughs) well i mean there's a part of me here's the only thing like I know that it would be terrible if one of the, you know, if like Eric Shea died. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be horrible. That would be the Quentin Tarantino remake. <laughs> but the only thing missing for me was like, if somebody like had a service dog. <laughs> sure. Because yeah. I'm not kidding you. When I'm watching a movie and there's like a baby, you know, crawling across the freeway, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> but if somebody looks the wrong way at a dog, I'm like, you better fucking not. I don't <laughs> think that I saw any dogs in the ship. <laughs> yeah, they no, no, there wasn't any. And do you <laughs> think it was one of those things that Stella Stevens' backstory that she was a sex worker, so they felt that they had to punish her, sort of, in a Hollywood movie that they have to kill the prostitute That's very um identity yeah mm-hmm. which is uh what's the the phrase the there's a phrase like whores oh my god there's a famous phrase from identity he even says it at the end like whores don't live or whores never win it's something like it. it's horrible <laughs> it's really horrible it's it's very akin to like you know the queen, the gay guy, has to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he does. Acres, yeah, Acres is the first one of the of yeah. the heroes. I, I hate his death. I always forget about that death too, and it always takes me by surprise. It's so poorly. It's really 
weird. Yeah. It's so weird to talk about a movie that I love. And it's super throwaway, too. Holding on. And then they do this side thing where, you know, he obviously, it's. I, I don't think he really... Fe- but anyway, it's just weird. I almost wonder if they had something more complicated planned and it just didn't work out, so they just had to use that shot. I don't know. Well, I think they have, like, you know, the close-up of him, and then they have somebody in his outfit. <laughs> Falling into the water. Yeah, because they're in the actual, like, smokestack or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the other thing. I'm like, the water was like bubbling down there. I was like, is it supposed to be like boiling water or something? Like, I know. Because he just falls into the yeah. water. But I guess his leg was all cut up and mangled. So, what about the part where Gene Hackman is swimming and there's the burned guy? That's oh, yeah. my, my memories. Is there's a guy who's really badly burned and he's underwater and it's just so like. The indignity of, you know, like, it's terrible. And like I said before, this is stuff that you just never see in modern blockbusters. And also, for all intents and purposes, this movie's kind of paving the way for stuff like Marvel movies, Batman movies. Any large $100 million movies do owe some gratitude to Irwin Allen and productions like The Poseidon Adventure. And also, and just like the deaths in this movie, this is not stuff that you see in modern blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do love so when they get to this final like uh, portal, they got to go across this treacherous catwalk to get to this door. But there's an explosion or something, and. Um, it's it's blocked by steam. So the only way that they can stop the steam is this valve. And Gene Hackman is hanging from this valve, turning it in midair. Yeah. Screaming to God. This is some like ninja, <laughs> American ninja warrior shit right here. Oh, totally. The upper body core strength required to like turn this valve Supporting his entire body weight. Do we have some of him screaming at Jesus at that point? No, I don't think we, we have Ernest Borgnine's crazy last bit, where he's just yelling at him. Oh, when he because Stella Stevens had fallen into the into the fiery abyss at this point. You took my Linda. Okay. Do you want to hear some of that, Scott? Sure. Okay. We'll we'll listen to some of that because we do that. Yo, preacher. You lying, murdering son of a bitch! You almost sucked me in! I started to believe in your promises that we had a chance! What chance? You took from me the only thing I ever loved in the whole world! My Linda! You killed her! You killed her. It makes me cry. (laughs) It's rough. Poor Linda. Because the movie is really about not giving up. Mm -hmm. Like you, and and honestly, like I was also obsessed with a TV series called I survived. Have you ever seen that? Mm -mm. I think that's what it's called. I, my brain is like oatmeal. (laughs) There was one episode where a woman was on a plane. She was a flight attendant on a plane 
that was hijacked. And they sat three people down and they said, every 20 minutes, we're going to kill someone. If you don't, you know, Mm -hmm. let us fly wherever. She's in the window seat and 20 minutes go by and they get the person in the aisle seat, walk them up in front of everybody, in front of the open door, shoot them in the head and push them out. Oh, geez. 20 minutes later, the person sitting next to her and she's being interviewed telling the story. So she obviously is alive. And you're just like, oh, my God, you know, I wonder how this ends or how did she get out of it? So shoots the second person. 20 minutes later, they get her, stand her up. They shoot her in the head. Oh, my God. Throw her out of the open, you know, plane door where there's all these, you know, other bodies. And she's like, I didn't know if I was alive or dead. Anyway, it's this like you honestly, you just never fucking know. Yeah. Don't ever give up. Yeah. And that's what I hear. You know, that's what this movie is about. It's like you've got to fucking, whether it's depression or a shitty fucking president or COVID or a ship that turned upside down, you have to fucking fight for your life and scratch and claw and never give up. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And look for two exits. Sometimes I'm in these bars, precinct. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go down these stairs. If there's a fire here, get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Survey that, your surroundings. Exactly. But, yeah, that's exactly, you know, the idea when, like you said, when Mr. Rosen doesn't want to leave Shelly Winters. Yeah. He wants to stay there with her because he's like, why? Why Why should I go? She's my whole life. And they're like, well, you do have your grandson waiting for you. You know, they give him a reason to, to keep going. And, uh, yes. and And it's one of those things, like I said, they were right there. They're like right at the end. And yeah. And then one of the most famous lines and powerful lines as far as I'm concerned He's trying to talk them into going up the tree. And I, I think it's Shelly or, or her husband. They're, they're like, there's something up there that isn't down here. <laughs> yeah. And he says, yes, life. Mm-hmm. And life is always very, you know, is very important, isn't it? And, you know, these are, I mean, this, you know, these are Jews who, if they weren't, you know, well, they were obviously directly you know, affected by the fucking Holocaust. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there are layers and, you know, it's so funny to think it really is very campy. And like I said, somewhat cartoonish and there are sitcom moments, but when you played that scene, it really makes me emotional because sometimes you don't even know why you love a movie so much, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I'm sure a big part of it is the nine-year-old in me. Like, seriously, the clothes, just, <laughs> like, there's some, there's just something. Every, where you look, there's something to see and something happening, you know. Yeah. So, it's a really good movie. Yeah. And they don't make them like this anymore. So, personally, no. personally, I've always been probably a, a bigger fan of The Towering Inferno. Sure. I think Towering Inferno. 
You. <laughs> so the towering inferno, all of the handsome men's in it: Paul Newman, Steve McQueen, yeah. Richard Chamberlain, Hunk City. True. Yeah. True. I get it, but you know, but there per- are people who love <laughs> Hocus Pocus, and I am of a certain age where I I missed it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh like, yeah, that was a kids' movie. Yeah, I was too old. For Hocus Pocus. So yeah. there are other movies I'm obsessed with. And I mean, I really kind of don't get it. And I'm not a fan, a big <laughs> fan of Clueless. And I don't really like Mean Girls. You know, all these, <laughs> you know, movies that the gays love. But yeah. I'm older than them. So. So we have Poseidon Adventure. So kind of the other, <laughs> the 70s pantheon of disaster movies, just to name a few. We mentioned Airport, 1970, yeah. the Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, the Andromeda Stain, Earthquake with Ava Gardner. I always post, whenever there's an earthquake in Southern California, I always post a picture of Aiden Gardner in Earthquake, just serving <laughs> bitch face. I always post that on, on social media whenever there's an earthquake. Roller Coaster. I need to track down Roller Coaster from 1977. I think it's like a terrorist plot that's put on a an amusement park roller coaster. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. And uh, I have. It's a shot at Six Flags Magic Mountain here in, in Valencia, and it's with a young Helen Hunt. She's, oh, really? Yeah, she's like a teenager, like a 12-year-old in that movie. The sw- well, there is something very scary about amusement park rides, and there's the scene in The Fury... I think it's they shot it in Mall of America where there's the indoor there's an and it this one car flies off of an amusement park ride and goes through the window and oh, man. that movie's crazy. Erwin Allen's The Swarm from 1978 the with Catherine Ross. Oh my god. And yes. uh, Olivia de Havilland. We were trying to think of today of like what old star did they cro- did they cart out for The Swarm and it was Olivia de Havilland. And I have to say that Catherine Ross is in one of my all-time favorite movies, which is the original Stepford Wives. Love the original Stepford Wives. We need to do the we need to do the Stepford Wives. That's such a good movie, and so, oh my God, I love it. It is so scary to me. Ira Levin, you know, obviously did um, Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. and Stepford Wives. It's the same. It's the ultimate betrayal, which yes. is your own yeah. husband, you know, your own, your family, yeah. like these people closest to you. It's so scary to me. Yeah. And there's something about the way both of those movies in particular are shot, just the way they look, the film stock, the clothes, the set dressing, you're just instantly transported. Yeah, especially for the Stepford Wives and Rosemary's Baby. They're such products of an era. Yeah. 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 I, I, love I mean, 70s. I always say that I feel that way about any Kubrick film. Mm-hmm. I always say, like, like Eyes Wide Shut, I know a lot of people don't like it. I'm just flabbergasted. I love Eyes Wide I, Shut. I feel like, I honestly feel like there is evil infused into the film. (laughs) Like there's something so, and the shining, it's like, what is going on? I don't even understand what's going on. It's like a dream that you just is so confusing. And and for eyes wide shut, that's almost like a New York city that exists in like an alternate world too. Yes, totally. Sometimes watching, 
The Shining when we rewatch it. And when Shelley Duvall is just so overwhelmed with just fear and she's just afraid for her son and her husband and her life and she's so emotional. I'm I just feel I just get anxiety because I'm just like Shelley, knowing what Kubrick kind of put her through to make it. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is too real. She's so Yeah, good. you can kind of tell that it's real. That's how I feel about the bathroom scene where um, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise are getting stoned, or mm-hmm. she's getting stoned. I can't remember if he does. And the vitriol, like the way she talks to him, I'm like, this is fucking real. <laughs> and she's talking about the sailor. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like, this is fucking real. Was that was that take 10? Was that take 15? Was it 50? I don't know. <laughs> it feels like take one, and yeah. like we're not supposed to be seeing it. Yeah. True. Yeah, those movies are so heavy. But the Poseidon Adventure... <laughs> it's still a formula that even in kind of the modern state of blockbusters, they still sort of retreat to this formula. There was like the rock movie San Andreas. Um, yeah. Independence Day has a very Irwin Allen structure to it, and I think that's what makes that movie fun to watch is that it's kind of a throwback to movies like this. Yeah. But yeah, like Hollywood does kind of come back to this formula that worked oh, in 1972. And, you know, if you think about it, it really is. It's almost like a murder mystery or a slasher movie. You know, people are dying yeah. one by one and in, in, you know, progressively more creative, horrific <laughs> ways. And it just, you know, what's chasing them is, you know, the situation on this capsized ship as opposed to, you know, a hockey masked serial killer. Yeah, absolutely. It's similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's the whole discussion of gay men just being so, you know, invested in horror movies and, and all of that, which we won't even go into. We've definitely talked about on this show in prior episodes. Yeah, but you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. It does follow that formula. And, yeah, just I think some of the things that kind of attract or that that can attract, you know, gay people to this movie are, you know, besides you know, the visuals, the costumes, the, you know, the setting and all that are just these characters, you mm-hmm. know, and um, Shelley Winters and uh, Stella Stevens right. in particular. <laughs> and fighting for your fucking life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. it's especially... Gay men of a certain age. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. I saw it be way before, you know, oh, sure. any of that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, these are the things that, that bring us to these movies. Um, we usually ask, uh, or sometimes we like to talk to our guests about if we feel like people who haven't seen this movie should check it out before listening to us. Or do you think it's worth a rewatch? Obviously, I, I don't think I even have to ask that. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have to preface it with, it was a different time. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, it's not, it really moves. Like, it's not boring to me. It doesn't have that 70s pace to it. 
I mean, I I love the original Planet of the Apes from 1968, and I was obsessed with that movie. Mm-hmm. And I tried to watch it on a plane recently, and it is has a glacial pace. It is so fucking boring. Yeah, very it's like you can tell Rod Serling, you know, wrote or co-wrote the screenplay because it's really. I mean, it's a good idea, and visually, it's amazing. But it all leads up to that last shot, yeah. like the twist, you know, the M. Night Shyamalama ding dong. <laughs> and, you know, I know I realize even his mother calls him that. I'm not even remotely creative. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. it gets going pretty fast. I yeah, mean, I feel like even though, you know, today's audiences may find it a little campier that, you know, and like, oh, some of the effects or but it really does move pretty good. I think that people would enjoy it. I yeah, really do. I agree. But even even you know that model of the ship that they have like bobbing on the ocean, I think it's pretty successful. Yeah. I, I don't think a lot of the special effects are that No, 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 no. Now yeah. listen, they knew what they were fucking doing, yeah. okay? Yeah. I mean, they if you watch Vertigo, it's like it's all matte paintings mm-hmm. and you know these superimposed like it, they these people knew what they were doing and miniatures like you know sometimes you can tell like the waves or the water is too big do you know what I mean like yeah. you can tell yeah. but no they did a great job yeah, we were thinking about that, that that ship had to be, like, gigantic. Because you're right, water doesn't, like, miniaturize, you know, to a, to a smaller set. So all that stuff really holds up. So, yeah, I think just kind of understanding that it is from a different era. But you're right, it's it's got a very snappy pace to it. So it's something that people can just definitely sit down and, and enjoy. Yeah, and what it, you know, what you might miss... I don't know. You more than make up for in 70s fashion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I mean, this. it starts off big. It's like Ernest Borgnine and Stella Stevens right out of the gate. You know? <laughs> You're just kind of getting bowled over by this crazy, you know, situation that these two characters have. So I think modern audiences can, can appreciate it. Do we have to? Uh, are we getting to final thoughts? I think so. Yeah, I love the Poseidon Adventure, <laughs> Jackie. I think you summed it up so well. Yeah, you know when you're talking about just the drive to get you know to stay alive. Well, really. I, yeah, I think that's that. Really, listen, nothing is better than a bunch of stars and great special effects and that Academy Award winning song, but. I think the reason people really relate to the movie is because it is about surviving and like just fighting for your life. It's yeah. like I've never really consciously thought about it. It just represents why we love going to the movies, too. Absolutely. And listen, nothing. I, I don't want to be a downer. But nothing is better than seeing it on the big screen the way it was supposed to be seen in the dark. You know, that just that and to watch it on your TV, like you'll enjoy it, but it's nothing. Nothing like 1972. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I and I was there. <laughs> I was there. I'm holding out hope that we will get back to a place where we can go and sit in a dark movie theater with sticky floors and coughing watch, children and, and watch the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things is to watch older movies. We, you know, I hadn't seen Carrie on the big screen since it came out in 1976. And a few years ago, they had a big, you know, screening with... I was sitting in the same row because I was hosting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with Nancy Allen and Piper Laurie. We stand La- Nancy PJ Allen. Souls, and I was like, this is amazing. And it was, you wow. know... It really works on the big screen. Oh, yeah. I can... Yeah. I, I've never seen Carrie on the big screen, but I can imagine that would be a oh, treat. We have seen a movie like The Exorcist in the theater, and that's incredible. Seeing it with an yes. audience in a theater. Yeah. We'll get back there. Yep. I I like to think so. Much like this song, there's going to be the morning after for going back to the movies yes, in the theater. Indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, man. This was so much fun, Jackie. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for coming on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I, I feel, I don't know, was I entertaining? It? I feel like pressure to like be entertaining, but I think it's more important to just really talk about the movie and how I felt and how, you know, absolutely. it literally made me gay. Ab- no, absolutely. That's what this show is that's about. What, that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. Yes. Cool. Any, any incidental laughs are just a, are just a plus. But uh, yeah, this was this was so much fun. Thank you so much. We would um, we'd love to have you on again sometime. But uh, we will be getting your friend Muffy on, and she wants to come on for Rosemary's Baby. So we're gonna make it happen. Yeah, she's obsessed. Oh, that's gonna be fun mm-hmm. and scary and scary. Well, uh, Jackie, I think it's uh, I think it's time to say goodbye. All right. Well, thank you. You're so you're so welcome. Again, we would love to have you back on for another movie. But until then, happy new year. Thanks. Happy Here's new the twenty twenty one. Yes. All right. See you later. Bye, you guys. Good night. Bye. And thank you so much for listening, everybody. The show was so much fun. I can't wait to get to the 2021 movies. So many movies to cover in 2021. We got to a, a great start year. with Jackie. Yes. Uh, this is a wonderful start to the new year with a wonderful guest. Uh, thank you guys for listening so much. Before we let you go, we've got some Patreon shoutouts because we have a new patron. We would like to say hello to our brand new patron, Jimmy Yauch. I'm sorry for mispronouncing that. You can uh, tell us. Yosh. 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 Thank you so much, Jimmy. We'd also like to say hey to Genevieve Thomas, Don McBride, Josh Clement, Emma Melly, Aaron Bentz, Melinda and Jim Shirley, Jessica Torres, John Miller, Nick Thomas, Christine Asher, Rafino Kabong, and Mitch Ralston. Thank you so much for subscribing, everybody. And you, too, can be a patron. Go to patreon.com. Movies that made us gay. Exactly. It's as simple as that. You can check out our tiers and get some extra fun stuff like watch with us commentary tracks. You can unlock them. We will be doing a new one soon. Yes, Probably around the time that this post, we'll have a new commentary yeah, track. Yeah, a brand new one. So you can see, check online to see what that one is. Lots of fun. Our fun newsletter that we uh, love doing. Yes, love Check that out. There should be a new newsletter in your inbox as soon as well. But thank you so much, patrons. 
And thank you so much for uh, checking us out on Patreon if you can. You can also find us on social media. We would love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. I'd like to some, see some more five-star reviews Exactly. going into the new year. The last review we got was from Germany. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, that is cool. I don't like that you don't that you can't see it in yeah. the podcast. Apple app, Podcast segregates the uh, reviews, so if you're in the U.S., you can only see the ones from the U.S. We have one from Canada and one from Germany. We promise they're real. We can send you screenshots, but uh, we'd also love it if you would follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay, and on Twitter at MTMUG Pod. That's true. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Lasagna. And I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram and Oscar Scott on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week with a fresh episode. Bye. Bye.